You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. You know, um, I still can't get over this draft thing. I'm, I'm having so much fun. The Packernet After Dark I just recorded, and um, certainly my favorite calls are just being able to reminisce. I did a, a uh, video with Clayton before that. And um, we were talking a lot about the draft, and he was kind of going on about the stuff that he's experienced and stuff that was there that I didn't even know existed. And um, just I'm, I'm just having a, a a lot of fun thinking about it. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about something that's exciting, but might kind of take you off a little bit at the same time. The first thing that I want to point out is that 2025 is only two years away. I know that's not rocking anybody's world, but here, here's the thing: we already kind of know who the 2025 NFL draft prospects are. Kind of. In fact, if you go to one of my favorite, and it should be one of your favorite NFL draft websites, NFLMockDraftDatabase.com, not the greatest uh, URL in the world, but um, they have the next two years of drafts. So people are starting to look at 2024, obviously Caleb Williams, Marvin Harrison, uh, Brock Bowers, the tight end. He's already up to number four, which is shockingly high. You got Kool-Aid, McKinsky, Joe Alt, some, some names that I've heard, Drake May, obviously. 2025, though, exists. It's a thing. The thing that I said might upset you is, let me ask a question. What would be the most highly anticipated thing? In other words, being in Green Bay is awesome. But what would be the most exciting thing that could happen if, uh, for the Packers in the draft, if, you know, they were... It's to have, essentially, pick number one. And or to need a quarterback. Again, nobody wants to have the conversation, but... Let, let me just put it this way. If Jordan Love is not the answer, it's possible we take a swing in 2024, right? Entirely possible. In fact, let's play with that idea for a second. Let's say Jordan Love is so bad they give up after one year, which I don't think is necessarily likely, which is where 2025 comes into play. But let's just say it's so bad they give up. We got two first-round picks, probably, and we have a relatively high pick with the Packers, and then we can package that with this pick and maybe move up in 2024 and get a quarterback. And let's say maybe we can't get Caleb Williams, but maybe we can go up and get Drake May, Quinn Ewers, Michael Penix, Bo Nix. Like, it's a stacked quarterback class. Maybe one of these guys ends up being, like, the thing. 
right? Then in 2025, what can you do? You can build around the guy, right? So, for example, Evan Stewart, wide receiver out of Texas A&M. This is a long ways away, but um, right now seen as the number 10 2025 prospect. The number 11 prospect, Luther Burden, wide receiver out of Missouri. Number 15 prospect, Barion Brown, wide receiver out of Kentucky. Or maybe Aaron Jones and, and, and A.J. Dillon are kind of out the door. We got some great wide receivers and, and great tight ends, and the defense is solid, and we just want to add to it because we got a quarterback and whatnot. How about number nine, Nick Singleton, running back out of Penn State? Or Quinshawn Judkins, running back out of Mississippi at pick 13? Or some really good offensive linemen. Uh, Kelvin Banks offensive tackle out of Texas is at number four and number five Will Campbell offensive tackle out of LSU right so that would be exciting we probably wouldn't have a high pick I mean theoretically let's just say we'd trade it up we got our quarterback of the future and we're just building around him so okay you're kind of looking hopefully mid rounds and and you're expecting to be significantly better so you know you're looking at uh, Dion Walker defensive lineman out of a lot of Kentucky guys um You've got edge rusher again. You got some other wide receivers. You got Davison Ogbinosun, cornerback. A lot of options to kind of help build around your future quarterback. But the point is, that's a possibility. Let, let me put it this way, and we'll get to 2025 in a second. If Jordan Love is not the answer, there's a very high probability we are either looking for a quarterback in that draft or are looking to build around our next quarterback in that draft. Either way, it's going to be extremely exciting. But let's say the more realistic thing happens, and that is he has a rough year, but we don't completely give up on him in 2024. We continue to build the team as normal, and we give him another year to kind of figure things out, and 2024 doesn't go very well. What's going to happen? 2025, we're looking for a quarterback. It's not an impossible thing that we could be looking at the Packers having a top-10 pick and looking to draft a quarterback. And right now, the two guys that are seen as really the only two top 2025 quarterbacks doesn't seem to be as good of a class. Again, very early, but Cade Klubnik out of Clemson and Drew Ayler, quarterback out of Penn State. Either way, what's really hilarious about all this, again, let's just go back to the part where we assume Jordan Love is awesome and we don't need to worry about it and we're just adding a bunch of talent. We're probably picking in the 30s, but, you know, whatever. We'll we'll still get some, some studs. Uh, we'll get... Uh, uh, we don't need Dane Key because we already have a bunch of wide receivers, but Sonny Styles safety out of Ohio State is what we'll grab. Anyways, the funny thing is you've got normal fans who are kind of just done with the draft. You've got diehard draft fans who are looking at 2024. And then if you get diehard Packers draft fans, which I think I fall into, I'm kind of looking to leapfrog 2024 and being like, I might want to, like, who's this, ba- like, dude's name is Bear. Defensive lineman out of Georgia apparently is the top prospect. Sounds pretty dope to me, man. See what we got going on in 2025. Plus, some of these 2024 guys are going to go back to school. Probably, I mean, I shouldn't say probably, but potentially some of these quarterbacks. It tends to happen somewhat regularly, especially if you're kind of a little bit later. I don't know how many years some of these guys have been in, but maybe like the Penix and the Bo Nix, J.J. McCarthy, Shadur Sanders, whatever. Um, If they're not, you know, at their final year you know if, if they think one more year if they're eligible to go back one more year can maybe push them a little higher that may end up doing that not just quarterback all the positions but anyways that's that's going to be fun man can you can you even i don't know i mean i have so much fun looking at all these prospects and doing all this kind of stuff but if we're going to be at the draft we need to know these guys inside and out i mean i, I kind of feel like i need to get started on 2024 and maybe peak at 2025 
so that by the time 2025 rolls around, we are so unbelievably well-versed with every single one of these prospects. <laughs> I don't know. I'm a little excited if you can't tell. But no, that's not what we're doing today. That was just kind of a dipping our toe in the reality of what may be our reality in the future, but we're certainly not doing that today. But anyways, we did have Mark Murphy talk to the media a little bit, uh, a couple of the details. I guess there's expected to be about 250,000 people. That's the expectation. Obviously, no idea how they came up with that number, but based on local population and amount of travel and fans and whatnot, I guess. I don't know. But that's what they're planning on, which obviously is a lot of people walking around. But they're expecting a $94 million economic impact, I believe, for the state of Wisconsin. 54 million people expecting to watch the 2025 NFL draft in Green Bay, Wisconsin. To talk about they're planning on focusing on history and tradition. Shouldn't be all that surprising, but as we kind of sit and contemplate, like, I wonder what, you know, what kind of events they're going to have. Um, you know, essentially, what the theme is going to be. Like, for example, I looked at somebody asked a question on Packernet After Dark about what bands will they have. And I looked at, well, what did they do in Missouri? I have no idea. I wasn't there. I just saw the stage and whatnot, you know. But one of the things that they listed is that, you know, they had their World War I museum there. They highlighted that, I guess, and then uh, local musicians and probably barbecue. But what are the Packers going to be focusing on? It's going to be uh, the history and tradition. What that means, I don't know, but it's fun to speculate. Uh, anyways, also, uh, in addition, not in addition, but of that $94 million to the state, uh, $20 million is expected to be raised just for the city of Green Bay, which obviously is freaking massive. Um, I guess the NFL is making a site visit. The Packers do not get to decide where the, the draft is going to be hosted or any of that kind of stuff. That's going to be the NFL deciding that. So they're flying out, I believe, this, uh, no, I said next month. They'll be out for their first site visit. Um, I think the Packers are actually pushing for it to be in Lambeau Field, but they're obviously going to check that, uh, that rec center and see if that's going to be a, a good hosting site. I personally don't care. I, I doubt I'll be in the actual venue anyways. Maybe I will. I don't know, but not planning on it. So I'm not as concerned with that, but it will be interesting to see where that's going to be and, and how that's going to look when it's all said and done. Um, I guess initially they were of the opinion or, or were told to some d degree that 2025 was off the table. So they were going to kind of double back and try to see if they can get 2027. I guess 2026 is locked up or something. I have no idea. But uh, then the NFL called in January and said 2025 was back on the table, and I guess they kind of hustled and got the job done and closed the deal, bing, bang, boom. Um, as far as the Super Bowl, and I kind of mentioned this already yesterday, but they basically said that's just not going to happen. Like, it's, it's essentially they're saying it's never going to happen. Obviously, who knows what's going to happen in 50 years, 100 years, or whatever, as far as the development of the city or possible... Um, technological advancements type thing. Who knows? But um, I guess they're about 35,000 hotel rooms short of what they would need to host the Super Bowl, which again, is what I had said. You kind of pick a direction. You, If you want to build up for a, a Super Bowl, you tear all that stuff down and you build a hotel, which would be kind of stupid anyways, because I don't think a hotel would work, because in the off season, the hotels would essentially die. I know there's hotels in the area, but, but the point is they have as many hotels as can survive. If you just start smashing hotels that are really only viable um, during the Super Bowl, they die when it's not the Super Bowl, right? And you can't just build hotels for one day ever, which is maybe why they're saying that, you know, there will never be a Super Bowl because you're not going to build infrastructure for something that only happens one day and is not sustainable outside of that. That would be my thought as to why they're essentially saying that's never really going to happen. It's just not a big enough community to warrant having 
this many, you know, hotels, motels, whatever. And so with there never really being enough, there's probably never going to be a Super Bowl. But whatever. I'm not worried about it. I expect it to not happen in my lifetime. But if it does because of some changes or whatever happens, then uh, then so be it. I know there's a lot of talk about uh, a potentially a train that's going to run from Milwaukee straight to Green Bay or something. Um I, I don't know, and then also possibly talking about some cruise ships out in the bay, which I feel like if that's a an option, I don't know why there isn't essentially unlimited. I mean, 35,000 is a lot. I don't know how much how big of a cruise ship you can get in that bay and how many of those cruise ships you can actually put out there because you got to have the ability for it to dock. And how many, you know, can we get like four 10,000-person cruise ships out there? Or, I don't know. The bottom line is the Packers, and, and they've said this before, which is why I said it, it's not going to happen. So just, I guess, just need to get it out of our heads. The uh, As far as the location, again, it's not going to be up to the Green Bay Packers where everything is, but the 2025 NFL draft stage, the NFL experience, the green room, the media center, the red carpet, the fan areas, they will be held on the Lambeau Field campus. That would include Lambeau Field, Town, the Rush Expo Center, and the Rush Center. That all makes sense, right? I guess the Packers have actually been out scouting ever since New York, or they they decided that the draft wasn't just going to be held in New York anymore. Uh, The Packers have been scouting NFL draft events around the country since 2015. Packers leaders have been putting together pitches to bring an NFL draft to Titletown ever since the league announced they were leaving. Things take time, says Brad Toll. Uh, I guess the budget, which I was actually surprised... I mean, I I guess it's a pretty big number, but it it feels small for some reason. But the rough budget for the 2025 NFL draft is going to be $7.5 million. That includes the Packers and Stadium District contributing funds. They're hopeful the state of Wisconsin will help fund this once-in-a-lifetime event. Well, if you're getting almost $100 million out of it and aren't willing to pitch something back to it, you're kind of a piece of garbage, would be my thought on that. There's also been a lot of question about snow. Um... A lot of the media members and whatnot crying about, well, what if it snows? What a terrible place because it might snow there. Apparently, um, via Matt Schneidman, Mark Murphy said he discussed the possibility of it snowing for the draft here in 2025 with Peter O'Reilly from the NFL League office. O'Reilly's response per Murphy, that would be great. And you know what? That's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. I mentioned it when I talked to Clayton today, if you didn't catch it, but I would be borderline disappointed if it didn't. I mean, listen, again, you've, you've got two things. You've got sort of this um, picture-perfect red carpet event kind of kind of thing that it is kind of funny because it's... Remember from the Titanic? Let's get weird. In the Titanic, you had the upper deck where you had all these super rich people. And then down on the bottom decks, you had all the poor people and whatnot. Boat was just full of them, but they had to stay down there and all that. The, the draft is kind of like that, right? You've got these... NFL draft prospects showing up in outfits that are unbelievably expensive and boy oh boy they better hope that they get drafted because they went deep into debt to get that although with the NFL NIL deals who knows but the amount of money the red carpet right the 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 media and all all the glitz and glamour and all that literally a red carpet area for all this stuff they treat it like the Oscars or Emmys or whatever I don't know I don't know which is which but then at the heart of it the real event, right? Because that's what we usually see on TV, but the event itself, the boots on the ground, it's a completely different event. It's people dressed up in ridiculous outfits with freaking face paint. They're all liquored up from cheap beer and smell of brats. And it's just walking around the street having a good time. And look, if you're coming to 
Green Bay, Wisconsin to experience Lambeau. Because look, you can go to, if you're going to a draft, you don't have to pick this one, right? Like if you want it to be a fun vacation, you get to pick what kind of vacation you want. You go to the one in Vegas if you feel like you want to go to Vegas. You can go to Detroit if, I don't know why in the world you'd ever go to Detroit, but you can go to Detroit if you feel like that. But if you come to Green Bay, Wisconsin, unless it's just like I go to all of them, which whatever, but why would you pick that one to go to? It's because you want to experience it. You want to experience the history, the tradition. And yes, there's a there's a part of everybody there that's going to want there to be these big throwback 90s starters Packer jackets with with some light snow falling. And, and you know, is that going to mess with the glitz and glamour aspect? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe they'll make it picturesque, which, you know, it's actually kind of sad that they've kind of turned it into that. Because if you think about historic football, what is historic football? There's no glitz and glamour to it. None. It's, you know, the freaking ice bowl and it's guys covered in mud and dirt and blood and spit. It's guys smoking on the sideline and showing up half in the bag and just beaten and battered. They got teeth, teeth missing. I don't know who all this fancy oscar-nominated nonsense is for but i it, it, i don't think it's necessarily and i'm not complaining about it I, I i don't have any problem with the draft and the commissioner walking up and announcing the pick and all that stuff it, it's a good time but i just feel like we're getting very confused and some people are so enamored with the you know wanting to be wined and dined and it's like you know green bay is football that's all i can tell you green bay embodies everything that is great about football and if you can't enjoy the event that is coming in 2025 or, or a Packers tailgate in general or any other tailgate, I, I just wonder, well, I, I, I fear for the future of football, for one, if, if the people in charge are, are the people that couldn't, wouldn't dare to be seen in an event like that. And that is the unfortunate part. Not only are the media too hoity-toity, but so are the owners. So is everybody in, in New York who runs the NFL, from Roger Goodell to everybody else. The average, I'm going off on a tangent away from what we originally talked about, but your average NFL fan is really not being represented. They're just not. We don't get what we want. All the rule changes, making it softer, making it nicer, making it more polite. These ridiculous skits that they have on TV. Like, who wants that? Is this like for like 13-year-old kids or what? Who wants to watch these goofy little segments? Who's asking for that? I watch snippets of it to find, like, if they talk about the Packers so I can grab a snippet and then make fun of the nonsense that comes out of their mouth. But under no circumstance could I ever imagine sitting in front of my TV and turning on and watching Good Morning Football or even, you know, I, it was like 20 years ago at least when even, like, these pregame shows got to be absurd. You know, it used to be just a couple guys sitting behind a desk, kind of like it is now, but they would just sit back there, they talk about football, and that's it. Here's the opponents and all that, but then they start coming out from behind the desk and doing all these weird little skits. And I mean, I'll never forget I, the, the moment I knew that everything was broken. And this was again probably 20 years ago. But you had these like Hall of Fame football players, Terry Bradshaw and those guys. They came out from behind the and they they did this skit where like somebody was wearing a doctor's outfit and a doctor's hat, and somebody laid out on a doctor's table and they were performing fake surgery to try to make a point. And you can tell like even I remember at one point Marshall Falk, like Marshall Falk was kind of like a soft spoken kind of a guy, and they, they tried to coach him up. You could tell, like, the next year he was real loud and real, like, he's waving his arms around. He's real animated. Like, uh, uh, uh. like you, you coached him to do that? Who is asking for this? It's like they're trying to make everybody Michael Irvin. They're, they're taking Michael Irvin and, t and ramping him up to 11, and then you're taking everybody else who is not Michael Irvin, and you're trying to turn him into Michael Irvin. 75-year-old Terry Bradshaw, or however old he is, is not Michael Irvin. 
Stop making him out to be Michael Irvin. But we all got to be goofy and weird and like wild and like scream because apparently nobody wants to watch TV. So we have to be so animated and loud and like flail around the, the studio, waving, literally waving our arms around and kicking it. Like, what is this nonsense that is happening to the NFL? Is there ever a point where we can just have serious people sitting down having serious discussions or is that just not interesting to anybody anymore? I have no idea what their ratings are, but with with actual like podcasts that you have, team specific and some serious, very serious and very good NFL specific podcasts, the amount of information you can get, and and on YouTube too, there's there's plenty of people I'm sure that have great YouTube channels for insights and everything else. What the heck would you sit down and watch that garbage for? I have no idea. But again, this, this is not. I mean, if you <laughs> if you go look at the people tailgating outside of Lambeau Field. Can, Find me one person that you look at and say, I bet that guy loves the, the, the flailing and dancing on good morning football. No chance. It's going to take you hours to find the first person you come across at a Lambeau Field tailgate that you think that guy loves it. The glitz and glamour and like who these, these fancy outfits that these kids are wearing. And look, you guys have fun or whatever. I'm just saying. But there's nobody... Because at the Oscar, everybody comments about the, the outfit. Oh, did you see what such and such was wearing? Nobody says that about the NFL. Aside from, like, the, the, these goofballs on TV who might want to comment on it. Or maybe an actual NFL fan who happens to catch him and be like, what the heck is that guy wearing? What are you doing? Like, what was it? Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, like, didn't wear a shirt or something which is like his calling card, but like that was one of those times I was like, what the heck is that? But it's only if you're so over the top, you look like an idiot that people just kind of mention that you look like an idiot, but that's about the extent of it. Nobody wants a fashion show. Who wants this? But again, what we're, we're trying to make it into this really weird thing, and there is sort of that, that dueling aspect of it. And you, you just, I, I, I can't help but feel like the executives at ESPN and the executives at the NFL and whatnot have no idea what NFL fans want. And even if they did, and maybe they do, they could not care any less. Because NFL fans are knuckle-dragging troglodytes, and I can't stand them. But here's the thing. Here's the great thing about this draft being in Green Bay. We get to enjoy it. They're going to be miserable. We get to enjoy it. Any actual NFL fan, whether they work at the league office or not, whether they're in the media or not, if they genuinely are an NFL fan, they're going to love going to historic Green Bay, Wisconsin, walking around the city, interacting with people, enjoying the tastes, the smells, the people. Everybody else who is a condescending D-bag is going to be miserable. So it's win-win. It's the best possible outcome for, for real hardcore NFL fans, and it is the worst possible outcome for these elitist, ridiculous human beings. It's perfect! <laughs> Anyways, I think I hit all the bullet points there. Why don't we go ahead and take a break? Uh, Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so for as little as $1 a month, and uh, helps me keep the lights on. Also, if you'd like to support a uh, charitable cause, you can check out FertileGroundRanch.org. Go see them at FertileGroundRanch.org. I keep messing that up. You can support Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry. You can find them over at FertileGroundRanch.org. See if that is an organization that um, is in line with your values. It is my father's ministry, and um, things are seem to be going pretty well. Very happy because it's been a long time coming. But we'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. 
Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So the first thing I want to start off with, and, and this is a topic that I don't, you know, I don't know much about the inner workings within the Green Bay Packers front office, um, but it is very much worth noting the Green Bay Packers have promoted Ed Policy to COO and General Counsel. I want to look at this a little bit. It says, uh, Ed Policy has been promoted to COO and General Counsel, and the team announced Wednesday Policy had been Vice President and General Counsel. Quote, I'm pleased to promote Ed to this new position, Packers President CEO Mark Murphy said in a news release. He's been an outstanding leader for us and has shown tremendous growth in recent years. His work on the Titletown District development has been excellent and will be invaluable to the organization and community for years to come. I'm confident that Ed will excel in his new role and the structure will benefit the organization. He went on to say, I'm very pleased of the opportunity to serve the Packers in this role. With recent expansion and renovations at Lambeau Field and the planning and opening of Titletown, we have grown in so many ways that are enhancing the organization and community. I'm looking forward to continuing to help the Packers make a positive impact on our own operations as well comp, uh, as well complement the promising economic development in our area. According to the Packers, policy will take on a greater role in overseeing the organization's business operation. That includes sales, marketing, and HR. Policy also represents the Packers to the NFL on legal and compliance issues. That's a heck of a lot on his plate. 
Policy's been with the Packers since 2012, previously worked for the Arena Football League, including stints as its commissioner and as an executive consultant with the NFL. Native of Youngstown, Ohio, bachelor's degree in accounting with an emphasis in finance from the University of Notre Dame, holds a law degree from Stanford. Policy serves on the board of directors of the Brown County United Way, the Greater Green Bay Community Foundation, the Greater Green Bay Convention and Visitors Bureau, and the Green Bay YMCA, and is a member of the Community Leadership Council in Achieve Brown County. So let's just state the obvious here. If that resume doesn't absolutely let out a blood-curdling scream that says future president of the Green Bay Packers, I don't know what does. I mean, in my mind, this is the absolute front-runner for that job. I mean, every, everything down to a T. When I, when I had looked at, uh, I did a whole article on future Green Bay Packers, potential Packers presidents. You can find it on the Packernet substack called The Search for the Next Packers President, and I laid out a couple different people. Gene Smith, Senior Vice President and Athletic Director of Ohio State. You've got uh, Pat Hayden, former athletic director of the USC. Oliver Luck, executive director, uh, blah, blah, blah. The uh, Joseph Castiglione, VP of Intercollegiate. Like, the, the, the point is, though, there, there seems to be a trend of the people that could potentially have these jobs. Number one, generally speaking, they all have law degrees. Now, generally, these guys are heads of major university programs, right? Athletic directors. But if you're the commissioner of a separate football league, that absolutely qualifies. But also, for example, Mark Murphy was involved with the, uh, the union a lot and, and dealt with issues within the league. Well, with his roles and responsibilities, including things like HR and legal matters with the NFL, I mean, the point is he's checking all the boxes that you would need to have a completely well-rounded resume. That's not to say that other guys like, you know, Gene Smith or Pat Hayden or whoever else couldn't potentially be on the list. But if you look at it, even if you, you would give a slight nod to, let's just say, Gene Smith, athletic director for Ohio State, right? That's a big deal. He's got the degrees. He's got all these different things. Wouldn't it be great to have somebody that's been doing all these things, but also has a very, very firm understanding of the inner workings of the Green Bay Packers and essentially has been in a training program directly for that seat? These guys could do the job. Oliver Luck could do the job, executive director of the ASUNWAC football conference, executive director of the whole conference, Andrew Luck's dad. He was also the CEO and commissioner of the XFL, right? So amazing resume. Oliver Luck could absolutely do the job, but wouldn't you still, again, give the nod to Ed Policy, which is a great last name, by the way, to do the job? So anyways, all that to say, when I read all of this stuff and I looked at the resume and everything, it's like, holy cow. I mean, it, it sounds like, and, and for all I know, there's like four or five of these people on the, the Packers staff that have similar resumes. But I mean, even the, the involvement in the community, he's, he's on all these boards, board of directors of the United Way the Green Bay Community Foundation, the Green Bay Convention and Visitors Bureau, the Green Bay YMCA, Leadership Council of Achieve Brown County. I mean, it, it almost feels like, I mean, he, he knows what the goal is here, right? He didn't put himself on these boards for fun. It's a step. So I, uh, again, unless there are maybe a couple people with similar resumes, which would be surprising, um, it it feels like this is this is feels like a done deal to me. Unless the guy just is a friggin' garbage human being or something. I have no idea, but 
I'm guessing he wouldn't be getting all these promotions. Because again, it, it feels like he's being groomed for that position. The, the specific responsibilities that they're giving him. The fact that he oversaw, like he was a pen, essentially spearheading Title Town. Which, of course, you know when, you, when you're handed something like that. And, and who is the... There'd be something else to keep an eye on. There was a, a lady that was Mark Murphy referenced continually about the, who was the person that spearheaded the NFL draft. I'd be curious to see her resume as well. Because you know when you get handed that responsibility that if you can ace that, you're punching your ticket. You know what I mean? And he essentially did. He headed up that whole thing while, while on top of being involved in all these other things that he has to do, you know that's going to, well, essentially get you this massive promotion, which it did, which is, as far as I can tell, probably just one step away from that next seat when uh, Mark Murphy eventually does step down. The only other thing that could possibly happen is if perhaps he gets offered a job somewhere else, because, you know, he could be offered a, a, a job as president of some other team. Probably, I don't know if it'd be the same as with the Green Bay Packers, because obviously other presidents are underneath owners, and in Green Bay, I mean, you've got a board, but you're kind of top dog, you know? A couple of the little fun tidbits from around the NFL. Uh, Lamar Jackson had a interesting quote. Apparently, he's back, at, uh, back in the team facility, ready to rock and roll, enjoying his life, and he made a comment that he's loving the new offensive system, saying, quote, running can only take you so far. So for any Bears fans that are listening that don't understand why nobody can get behind Justin Fields, that's why. There's never been a mobile quarterback that couldn't throw the football well that excelled at anything. And Lamar just laid it out. Running can only take you so far. And you know how far that is? Dead last in the NFL. That's how far it takes you. It gets you nothing. Speaking of making, uh, making fun of the Bears, this via the Chicago Sun-Times, David Montgomery, quote, Bears losing sucked the fun out of the game. The Bears offered Montgomery a new contract and were surprised that he chose to go to the Lions instead. So I never understood that. Why are you get, you know, the run game is like the one thing that seems to be working. Montgomery was a really good running back for you. Why? And you just drafted the guy. You're not going to give him a second contract? Apparently, the Bears did. They're like, all right, dude. So uh, we worked it all out. We got a contract for you. We think we're going to be pretty happy with it. Um, what do you think? Yeah, <laughs> I'm never coming back here again. This place freaking sucks, so I'll be leaving. Think about that. He left specifically, and he went to the Lions, who missed the playoffs. He just wants to win a little bit. <laughs> he doesn't need to go to the Chiefs. I just want, you know, I want a little bit of winning. The Bears suck so bad. that, And I'm glad, by the way. I love David Montgomery. He was my favorite running back in that draft. Um, I mean, I'm not super so stoked that he's a Detroit Lion, I guess, but whatever, the Lions drafted a running back, he's not going to be playing that much. I'm just saying I'm glad that he's not a Bear anymore, because he was, he was he scared me a little bit on the Bears, because the Bears run the ball really well. The Lions suck at it. But they're such a garbage football team that Montgomery left. He just left, and he went to another team that missed the playoffs. That That is the funniest freaking thing ever. Montgomery spoke this week on Lions Gaming Live, where he and defensive back C.J. Gardner-Johnson faced each other in an NBA 2K, which is which is always funny because you get guys that are just playing video games together and they kind of forget that they're being recorded. It's it's not like this stuffy interview thing where you kind of think, you're just kind of laid back and you're not really thinking about stuff. But he said, quote, that losing was all I was used to, and it got to the point where it sucked the fun out of the game for me because I'm a competitor, I like to compete. That's what football's about. It's so refreshing to be in a place where that's appreciated. <laughs> yes. 
Oh, I love you, David Montgomery, so much. That could not have been worded any better. He didn't say it's so good to go to a place where winning is like what we do, right? It's a winning culture. No, it's not that. It's just that winning is appreciated. It's nice to go to a place where they give a crap about actually winning a couple games. Oh, that's my favorite thing ever. Uh, A couple other notes here, just looking at some of the little news and notes that we're getting glimpses of uh, around the NFC North. Um, Some other things, again, continuing to make fun of the Chicago Bears. Obviously, everything's rosy over there, all the amazing plays that are being made, just like every other team. But one of the things that I find interesting, you remember the Chicago Bears don't have a lot of players, period. Like, they don't have a lot of veteran guys that you build a team around. Like, who are the young core players of that team? Justin Fields... Eddie Jackson, right? There's there's not a ton. There's a few. I want to read this little tidbit here. The first thing to look at at OTAs is attendance. OTAs are, of course, voluntary for players to attend. Due to the CBA with the union, teams cannot make off-season workouts mandatory, except for one minicamp in June. So while OTAs are voluntary, in most cases, attendance is expected. Four notable players were not there today. Eddie Jackson, Jalen Johnson, Nate Davis... And Darnell Mooney. Couple things. Eddie Jackson is a very serious part of that defense. Who who else? I mean, they paid a bunch of money for guys that have never played for the Chicago Bears before. But who else is sort of that core piece? Do they have a single guy on their defensive line from edge to interior? I can't honestly think of one that is even slightly relevant. Corners, I got nothing. Linebackers, brand new guys. Eddie Jackson is that dude. You, you want a, a excited group of Chicago Bears that are ready to work, that are ready to build something. That's the thing. It's, it's a teardown and rebuild, but you're rebuilding with what? With guys that don't want to be there. David Montgomery left because he said, it sucks here. I don't want to be here. And now Eddie Jackson doesn't even bother to show up. And Nate Davis, one of their big free agent signings that's going to fix their offensive line. He's never been with the Chicago Bears before. He's never taken a single snap with Justin Fields and the rest of the offensive line. Everybody's there. They're working. The entire offensive line, Justin Fields, the wide receivers, the tight ends, they're putting in work. Nate Davis chose not to show up at all. He's never taken a snap as a Chicago Bear. This is the first time they all get together to work together. He chose to just not come. Don't feel like it. Don't want to. That's amazing. Jalen Johnson was a second-round pick in 2020. I mean, he's technically a veteran, but when you're not even on your second contract yet, I don't know, bub, for a young group of guys that need to come together and, and want to be there. I mean, these are young guys. This isn't, like, this isn't like David Bakhtiari, who, by the way, is in Green Bay, Wisconsin right now. But if Bakhtiari decided not to show up, as, as much as it might be annoying because it's like, hey, it'd be cool if we can kind of get started together as a group, as a unit, whatever. It's still like, dude, I've been doing this for so long. I don't need it. You guys get warmed up and get ready. I'll be ready, I promise. And there's already articles being written. Is Bears cornerback Jalen Johnson's OTA absence cause for concern? But again, Nate Davis is is the most surprising to me. And I understand some of these guys have some injuries that they're nursing, but so does Eric Stokes. He was out there on the field with everybody. So does Rashawn Gary. He was out there on the field with everybody. So saying Eddie Jackson has some banged up ribs or something, I don't give a crap. You're supposed to be one of the young vocal leaders of this defense, and you're just like, eh, I, I, got, a, I got a boo-boo. I'm not coming. <laughs> I mean, if that's how you guys roll, man, okay. I can't wait to see this 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 unit come together. 
right? Keep talking about buy. What was it? The hits principle or whatever. Oh yeah. There's all this buy-in, right? Everybody's going to be all fired up. These guys don't give a crap. They hate Chicago. They don't want to be there. And the funny thing is there's some talk that maybe Jalen Johnson's looking for a contract, which is hilarious because he's not good at his job, but now there's already screwed. And this is the funny thing too. You can already see things spiraling. There was a presser with their head coach. And it's one of those things where he gets asked like five different times about it. And he's like, yeah, you know, he had this cookie cutter ass. Look, it's voluntary. I can't really tell you who's here and who's not, even though everybody knew because they watched it. I can't really comment on that, you know, but it's voluntary. That's all I can say. It's voluntary. That's all I can say. He was asked like three times. Bears, co- then there's this little exchange here. Bears coach Matt Eberflus says he talked to cornerback Jalen Johnson, not at OTAs, about mandatory minicamp next month, but can't say whether he'll be here. Quote, ask him when you see him, Eberflus says. And then the writer goes on to say, there's plenty of ways to handle this as a head coach. This feels a little abrupt from Flus. We will see if more comes out in the coming days about his attendance. But remember, this all happened last year. Remember Roquan didn't show up and it was this big deal and everybody was upset about the way that Roquan was being treated. And then he came back and it was, oh, see, there's nothing to worry about. He's not getting traded, you bunch of idiots. And then he got traded. (laughs) But there just generally seems to be this, like, I don't want to be here thing with Chicago. And I think everybody's missing that. In, in their haste to hype up this quarterback who's really bad in Justin Fields, I think they're forgetting another important piece. You want to know why guys like Darnell Mooney completely fell off a cliff? Doesn't really seem to make sense. I mean, Bears fans were not wrong when they said that they've got a good guy in Darnell Mooney, but he wasn't very good last year. I wonder if maybe part of that has to do with the same thing that David Montgomery went through when he said he got all the fun got sucked out of it and he didn't want to be there anymore and he left. You think you think Montgomery's the only one? He's one of the only ones that had the opportunity because he had a contract come up. And I'm sure a lot of other guys would, would grin and bear it and just accept the contract from the Bears because that's just the way it goes. You, not everybody can be on the best team. Sometimes you're on the crappy teams. They got to have somebody playing for them. But you don't think this is sapping all the energy out of it? And then again, compare that to the Green Bay Packers energy. The energy of the young quarterback with the young receivers and young tight ends and everybody and how fired up they are and everybody's there. You know, somebody, I forgot, Kenny made a big play and Rashawn, who's injured by the way and was there, was screaming from the sidelines in excitement. They're all there and they're all jacked up. Chicago Bears, it's like there's infighting between the coaches and the players and one of the players left because he said the team sucks and you got veteran players not showing up. You got a guy that you just paid a bunch of money to to help shore up your offensive line who's never been there before not showing up. What are you doing? What is this? This is a this is a disaster. It's amazing that we can look at this dumpster fire. And by the way, it was a dumpster fire last year, which is what helped contribute to it being so bad. It wasn't just bad players, although that's a major part of it. It's a culture problem. And it doesn't look like the culture got any better. So you can go ahead and set your sights as high as you want on the Chicago Bears. But I have no idea why it would be any higher than bottom five football team. And, you know, not a lot to report from Detroit aside from to continue to pile on the Bears. One of the notes that they mentioned is that Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and David Montgomery are singing the praises of Detroit. Why? The culture. Again, Detroit is not that good of a football team. I don't even know if they're good enough to, to actually be a playoff team. I don't know that they got necessarily all that much better, if at all. So they're, they're kind of teetering on borderline playoff team, which again, about half the teams get into the playoffs anyways, so it's not that big of a deal to even get in. It's just, are you top half? And I don't think that they are. But it doesn't matter. It's such a refreshing thing for a guy like Montgomery to go there. Why? Because of the culture. And you had Montgomery bragging about how good the defense was, and Chauncey Gardner-Johnson was bragging about how good the offense was. I mean, it's just, it's just a culture thing. They're excited. 
And we all know that, right? Detroit has a phenomenal culture that they've built over there. I don't know if it's a great football team necessarily, but culture is a big part of that. It's a great way to get maximum effort out of your players, which is an important piece. But yeah, again, not not a ton else from the Lions. Um, a lot of generally positive little notes here and there like most teams have, but nothing super crazy. As for the Vikings, you got similar issues as far as um, core players. I mean, Dalvin Cook, obviously there's some speculation he won't even be with the team this year, but he wasn't on the field. Daniil Hunter wasn't out uh, for OTAs. Justin Jefferson was not out there for OTAs. But that's about it for now. I'll uh, do a little bit closer watching, but those are just kind of the initial. And that's mostly what a lot of this initial stuff is anyways, is kind of looking at different lineups, seeing if there's anything different, and then who bothered to show up. And of course, what Bears fans will tell you, the same as what Vikings fans will tell you, same as what you know, the hardcore Aaron Rodgers people said when Rodgers didn't show up. It, the only thing that matters is defending what you feel like defending. What they're going to say is that these are voluntary and they don't matter. But the only people that say that are people who are trying to defend somebody. They're happening for a reason. <laughs> I mean, you can't look at what they're doing and say that, well, that, that practice had no benefit whatsoever. Like, Jordan Love got nothing out of OTAs. Getting on the field with his offensive line, dealing with a actual pass rush, getting in the Packers playbook with calls being called in from your head coach, working on red zone, throwing to your wide receivers and the rookies, zero benefit whatsoever. Nobody actually believes that. So all this stuff, well, it's just, oh, you're making a big deal about OTA. Nobody cares. It's not a big, it's voluntary. It's voluntary. It's only voluntary because it has to be. Because the NFL says it has to be. The, the, the teams expect you to be there 100%. It's a big deal to when, when, you know, roll call happens, you're not there and they get on the phone and say, Hey, what's up? And you're like, I'm not coming. It's not like a neutral thing. Like they go, Oh, that's fine. No big deal. Yeah. I mean, if you can make it, yeah, it'd be great. But that's not how it goes. And you know that, and everybody knows that. So stop saying nonsense. Anyways, I got to get going. You guys have a good rest of your day. I will talk to you tomorrow or tonight. Have a good one. Bye-bye.